0: Hi,
1: I'm Leslie Adamas, and welcome to Race Forward, a weekly podcast on God and race relations. This is a progressive, faith-filled conversation that will anger you, encourage you, and equip you. Thanks again for joining us today. You picked a great day to listen in.
0: Well, what's going on, everybody? I am glad to be back today, sitting with my brother Mauricio Meneses in the house. Uh, We are in episode, I don't know, I need five fingers now to count this i'm not sure what episode we're in but all i know is we're up for a good one we're Mm. still we're still doing our candid conversations here and mile bro one of the funniest things that uh has been laughable in our household uh between my wife and i is just the simple connection between Brown people and black people's Mm, concept of being on time. (laughs) Now, what is on time for Uh, (laughs) world coaching?
1: Man, you really want to go there, bro. Listen, I, um, and this definitely doesn't apply to everybody because some people have learned and have adapted to the culture or even when we, you know, from where they come from, they've always been people that respect other people's times and, you know, are, are, are there on time. But as far as the general culture, speaking generally, man, being on time, I, I mean, it just doesn't exist, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's a social event. If if you invite me to go to a party and you say, be there at seven, in yeah. my mind, automatically, I'm not even going to consider being there at eight because first, I don't want to <laughs> be the first person to come. Right. I, you know, I don't want to be the first person to be there because then that's weird. You know, you know how the, the, the general conception is I don't want to, you know, seem so desperate <laughs> that I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, people automatically translate it to, oh, you're disrespecting my time or you, my time has no value to you. What I'm saying yeah. is I, I don't want to offend you by being there so early and seeming, you know, so desperate to be in your house.
0: Yeah. And sitting maybe, there.
1: Yeah. You know, Sitting
0: there twirling your thumbs and looking around while they're still setting up. Yeah, man.
1: (laughs) You know what they say here that you the the fashionably late? We Mm -hmm. take that to a whole different level, you know. We're we're respectfully late.
0: (laughs) Yeah. See, in in black culture, the funny thing about it, man, is we even have our own time. You know, you got (laughs) central time, you got eastern time, you got New York time. Well, in black culture, you got CPT time, which stands for colored people time. <laughs> which, <laughs> That's awesome. If, That's if you, me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And that and that ain't really something that is non-common. Like, it is known that there is a idea of CP time. Oh, dude, man. Same we, thing
1: with, we, with Mexico. Sorry,
0: dude. Go ahead. Oh, no, you good. We probably going to show up. A little bit late. And by a little bit late, I mean if it's a social function, it's at least gonna be about 45 minutes. Hey bro, here's at how least yeah, minutes. Yeah.
1: Here's how it goes with with uh I'm gonna my last 13 years before coming to the states. I was in Mexico, although I'm Salvadorian, but same thing. Um, you know, if you're invited to do that party, and would come at seven. You would probably call the person that hosting at 7 30, be like, hey, who's there? Yes, <laughs> the you want. And before, up there. <laughs> yeah. if, if they tell you, oh, you know, three or four or five people are here, I was like, all right, I'll be there. I'm on my way. But if nobody's yeah. there, they are like, oh, OK, OK, cool, cool. You know, just let me know when people arrive. Man, I, on the other side of things, I have been to parties where they say come at seven and I've been with my wife and she's white and, you know, she's time conscious and she wants to be on time. And we've shown up at seven. And the person the hosting the party is still showering, you know, mm. still getting ready and nothing's ready. Yeah, yeah It's just different. Yeah. World. And all together, I get it. It's funny. I get
0: it. Yo, one of the deepest things that I heard about that, uh, I was sitting at a table with a buddy of mine who was actually from Africa. Uh, and he was looking at me, you know, checking out my watch, my cool little, uh, not Fitbit, the uh Garmin watch. Yeah. And uh he said, you know what, you Americans are so funny. I was like, what you mean, man? He said, Well, in in America, y'all have watches, but in Africa we have time. And what he meant by that was yeah. They take their time there right. and they spend time on what they think matters right then in the yeah. moment and everything yeah. else can wait. And I almost feel like maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is some kind of connection there that in our past we were used to being a little bit behind schedule based according to how we process or prioritize certain things. But
1: man, uh, yeah, that's, that's so true. And and for instance, and the last thing I know that we got to move on, but um, a great example of that, what your friend told you, I think there's a lot of depth and wisdom in that, for instance, being Latino here and going to a restaurant, you know, one of those uh, chain restaurants like Applebee's or, or Outback uh, or any restaurant for that matter. You're done eating. You're, you order, and they immediately bring you the check. Bro, That in Latin America, that is offensive. You know, you don't bring me the check until I ask for it because mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it's an event. It, it, you know, it, it, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to have, you know, my aunt, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's not going to be uh, sit down, eat, leave. It's going to be, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to plop down. You know, I'm going to take my time. It's an yeah. event, bro. It's an event, man. So it's yeah. yeah, different thing.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Man, speaking of Africa, and we're transitioning here. Speaking of Africa, I got a buddy of mine who's from the States mm-hmm. who is on his way back to the States from Kenya. And the conversation, man, that that I've been able to have with him is like, look, man, I've left the States and I've been here for about half a year or, or I can't even remember how long he's been there. But he he's kind of chuckles at the condition that the states are in now that he's coming back. I know he watched the debate last night. He's like, <laughs> "What in the world's going on back there?" Um, but yeah, really? dude, when it when it came down for a conversation about him coming back, uh, I really started to think about what does it look like for people overseas or people in a different country to come to the states to flock to the states, whether that's for one reason or the other. And uh, I thought it'd be a great idea to ask you, man, can the conversations like, you know, when it comes to Latino or Hispanic Americans, um, what is like some driving reasons behind why people flock to the states?
1: Yeah, man, that's that's a deep question. And and I wish we had all the time in the world to give you the extended version answer. But I'm going to try to be short, Uh, man. I'm going to speak for most Latinos here and I'm always going to say. All Latinos, like 99% Latinos that are here miss their home country. You know, they miss, they long for their food. They long for their, you know, mother, uh, we call it mother country or madre patria. And everybody here is just wishing that they could be back. Some people can't. For instance, people that are here from Venezuela. they I haven't heard one Venezuelan that doesn't miss being in Venezuela. You know, it's such a beautiful country. It used to be such a rich yeah. country. And now it's 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 in trouble. And they're here because they have no other option. In Central America, people, you know, we saw it a couple year a year and a couple years ago, they were flocking and man, they they there's just really no jobs, no food. And you know, I I'm a father of four. If I had to walk or do whatever I have to do for thousands of miles to provide a better future for my family, I would do the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and when people are here, man, you, you look at, uh, you know, there are a lot of stereotypical things from Brown people that are driving in a five passenger car and you see eight people, 10 people get out. You're like, how oh, the heck did they do that. Or, you yeah. know, neighbors that, that uh, have, you, there's a three bedroom, two bathroom apartment or, or house. And, and there's three families living in there and you're like, man, how in the world did they manage to do that? Or why did they do that? And, and, and of course HOAs love that stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's it's because people are here to work, are here to make money, are here to send money back home to support their families and build a house that they can go back to. A lot mm-hmm. of the people here are are transitioning, are here really because they're they're trying to survive. And and once they get here and they realize that they from here they can provide for their family back at home. They'll be here for a certain number of years, and then they're gonna go back to the future that they have built. Over there, you know, they'll save most of the money that they have. uh, And and that is the motivation. The motivation is not to leave their home country. The motivation Mm. is to leave the situation uh, in their home country, you know, the poverty or whatever they don't have over there that they can find here through hard work, man. Hard, 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 hard work. Yeah.
0: Mal, like me, I can kind of tell, bro, like you have a heart for that person, a heart for Ooh. that sojourner who wants to have that better opportunity. Um, and I think, man, like as an American, what we do is we get tripped up a lot of times on the statistics about immigration. Right. We get we allow the numbers and the statistics to challenge our mind. But when we see faces and we connect stories with actual people, then our heart becomes challenged. Okay. And so wh- how do you feel about that, man? How do you feel about the fact that, um, generally speaking, most Americans who don't get to sit down with you know Hispanic families, uh, generally speaking, all they have to go off of is the statistics that suggest that the way of American life is at jeopardy mm-hmm. the more we allow immigrants to come here?
1: Man, you know, I hear it over and over again. I I don't know if if I've mentioned it before, but I've been a missionary for the last 15 years and uh, growing up, I grew up and I was raised in five different countries, uh, plus now in the States. Uh, so that's six different countries. So I I can talk a little bit about culture, and I can talk a little bit about differences in, in in Latino cultures and Latino countries, et cetera. But man, one common denominator that that I that I find is that people that are here are working hard, uh, are doing everything they can to provide a better future. And sadly, another common denominator is that most of them are suffering in silence. Uh, you know, because of the ignorance of people that are here, and I'm not saying that Americans are ignorant. What I'm saying is that a lot of people don't take the opportunity to learn a little bit about Latino culture and and those mm-hmm. things that we just you know talked about. Why are they here? And of course, a lot of Americans, the the culture in the United States, but I admire it and I love it because you guys are such a giving nation, you know, and and, and God has blessed this nation in in, in tremendous ways because it's a very generous nation. And I know, I mean, I, and, and and I was mentioning the fact that I've been a missionary for so many years because uh, case after case, person after person that had, that that goes down to one of our uh, projects in Costa Rica or Nicaragua or in Mexico or in Brazil, when they get down there and they meet people and they try the food and they experience the culture and the flavor and the, and the flair and all that stuff, they fall in love with them. And to a point that there are a lot of people that want Mm. to move there. And, 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 and I hear over and over again, man, I had no idea that it was so awesome. I had no idea that people were so good. I had no idea that they had such warm hearts and were so embracing and so welcoming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it gives you that worldview, you know, that's why I, I, Promote and push missions so much because it gives you that worldview that people here don't have. So they just are, they guide their acceptance or their interaction with other Latinos by the perception of other people, whether they've had a good experience mm-hmm. or a bad experience, you know? So it, it's, it's a challenge, man. It, it definitely is a challenge for a lot of those people that are here to work hard and make a little money uh, to be able to send home uh, that they are seen as less. They are seen as a threat, mm. you know, when, yeah. when, uh, not, you know, saying all of them, but most of them are good people, you know? Yeah.
0: And see, that's huge, Mile, because I believe, man, and I believe that scripture supports that regardless of whether you have your papers for this country or the next, an undocumented person is still made in the image of God. And if they are made in the image of God, they should be treated like fellow image bearers. Um my my buddy just moved to Gainesville, uh Gainesville, Georgia, which has a, a pretty good uh, Hispanic population uh, If you don't think that's true <laughs> Then come up with <laughs> me on a weekend And let's go to the Pendergrass Flea Market And let's throw down With some of that corn With that mayo And paprika or whatever y'all put on there That stuff was good uh, <laughs> Yeah for sure and, and But the thing man that, that really, really I just don't understand Is why would we Uh, want to reject a fellow image bearer and opportunity to experience the goodness of God. And if we believe that uh, America is the best or the greatest country, then why wouldn't we want that for other image bearers? I think Mm. about the life of Jonah, right? Mm. And and hear, hear me when I say this, Jonah was a man of God who the Lord had told him to go to a people Mm. that he didn't really want to go and tell um, uh, the word of God to, right? Because the the Ninevites were terrible people. Now that's not to be compared with anybody in Mexico or El Salvador or anything like that. Don't get me twisted. Uh, But the Ninevites were known as terrible people and Jonah didn't want to go tell them the word of God because he knew God would Receive their repentance. He knew God would extend grace for them. It wasn't it wasn't that he was scared that he was gonna die. He knew that God was gonna give them grace and give them the goodness of God after they turn in repentance. And Jonah decided, I'm not gonna go, I'll get swallowed by a fish before I go. And so for him. He was choosing not to see image bearers as image bearers and making it easier for him to try to reject them for receiving the goodness of God. And when you look at God's response to that, God turned on Jonah was like, no, you the one tripping,
1: <laughs> you know, exactly. Dude, who 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 made us better than anybody? You know, who are we to say, man, you really don't deserve God's mercy, God's forgiveness, to hear about the good news of salvation because you are this and that. I mean, mm-hmm. what am I to even make that call? You know, yeah. what makes me better? The cross didn't see color. You know, the only color that the cross saw was red. Amen. You know, and I've been saved by that red, you know, by mm-hmm. the blood of Jesus. Bro, yeah. and, and, um, and I'm sorry for jumping on, you know, so, so abruptly there, but dude, dude. Uh, in in my years of ministry, and I I think that you're going to agree with this, uh, one of the better and bigger opportunities we have to reach somebody for the Lord is when they have been through pain, when they have been to des- through desperation, anxiety, uh, man, and and yeah. When when you look at some of these people, and and uh, not every not every Mexican, not every Latino has has walked the desert or has crossed the river. Mm -hmm. Or, or you know, but for those that have, even the ones that came driving or or by plane, man, they've left families, bro. A lot of these men have left their kids and wives behind because they're Mm -hmm. trying to provide for a better future. A lot of these people that walked the desert or you, you you had to cross the river, man, they've lost loved ones. And dude, I've been to to the border and on both sides. And you walk a mile down the desert on both sides, man, and you see bro, literally hundreds and maybe thousands of crosses that are under bushes, and they're mm. just you know scattered through the sand of all the people that have died. So imagine the opportunity that we as Christians have to welcome these people, knowing that there's a lot of pain that you know they've gone through abuse. Uh, by yeah. authorities, by you know people that that help them cross the border, they have been you know stolen and and, and everything that they have has been ripped away from them. Uh, whether it's legal or not, whether man, that, that is not what should matter. The yeah, problem is that they had a need, they came here looking for ways to of solving and providing for that need, and we mm. are here. The man we and we should be, we should yeah. have that heart that God has. You know, it doesn't matter how bad these people are, the Ninevites. Like you to follow your example, they still are are, um, you know, are candidates for forgiveness. If you want to be super technical and formal, they mm-hmm. all can be forgiven. Red applies to them as well. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, just like that, man. Red applies to every person. Look, I want to encourage you guys with this. If you view uh, the issue going on at the border with uh, Latino Americans and, and Latino families in and not just the issue down there, but the issue across all U.S. borders. If you view immigration through a biblical perspective, it dignifies the fellow image bearer. <laughs> but when you view it through the lens of politics it inevitably belittles them down to just a number. You are more than a number believer. Mm -hmm. You are more than a number non-believer. There is a God in heaven that loves you despite where you came from, where mm, are you going great. and Amen, he brother. and if he would right. spare your life and your family's life and help you get here to America just so you can hear a pastor like me and a pastor like Miles say that God loves you and turn to mm-hmm. Jesus
1: then let that be done in yeah. Jesus name Man, I, so go ahead you know, I I was talking to to a, a friend of mine he's he's like a brother to me his name is Daniel uh and dude i i you know he he, he had a, an experience uh, one of those experiences that i mentioned and i said man i that must have been really hard for you you know having to do all of this and uh and he said bro he speaks perfect english now by the way he's only been here about 5 years uh he said man that was the easy part hmm. walking the desert crossing the river yeah that was the easy part the hardest part was getting here and the yeah. hardest part was once I was here dealing with people. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, and that broke my heart, man. That broke, right just absolutely broke my heart, man. And right how on. people see him as less. And, you know, this guy is a single guy, uh, hard worker. Well, he's single here. He has a wife and a family back in uh, in, in Mexicali. And he's, the, the hardest part has been... Being accepted and being here, you know, everybody looks at me like I'm blessed just because my I have an accent. Everybody yeah. sees me as less. Everybody, you know, he, he deals with things that are just mind-boggling that you would never imagine that things like that are happening in the 21st century in 2020 in Buford, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And insane. When-
0: Yeah, we we got to literally get to the other side of this thing, man. We got to, if we view Jonah's story in its appropriate context, we see a man of God who decided to reveal his heart for Mm -hmm. God's salvific design for the Ninevites. If that story is there for our example, as we learn about the Old Testament, then let us not be a people that turn away people mm. from receiving the goodness of God. Let us be a people that push to display God's salvific design and how He wants for all of us to come to Him. Yes. And to experience His goodness. Mal, wrap us up, man.
1: Yeah, man. Man, it's it's it's. I think that we have a big, 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 big job ahead of us. Uh, America, United States is a beautiful country filled with beautiful people from all over the world. We just have to look at this from Jesus's eyes, man. The same reason why he died for us sinners is the reason why we have to die to ourselves daily and accept and love and embrace and and learn and and stop being, you know, ignorant and and just start seeing things from his perspective. That's how the world is going to change. It's not up to a politician. It's not up to money. It's not up to the economy. It's up to us. We want to see a different United States that we can inherit to our kids. Let's start today, man, by just loving and accepting, regardless of color.
0: Right on. I'm with you, man. This has been another episode of Race Forward, God and Race Relations. Y'all come on back next week. We're going to continue having some candid conversations. But to send y'all off, make sure you watch Living Undocumented. It does a great job of putting some faces to the numbers that we see. But until then, we love y'all. Can't wait to keep growing and racing forward in this thing. God bless you.